Welcome to the Unlearning Labels podcast. Our vision is workplaces where people can be themselves, feel valued and fulfill their potential. We are on a mission to awaken people to see beyond their labels, be comfortable being themselves and help them accept others. Listen together as a team and make these conversations part of your monthly staff meetings. Now enjoy this episode. Welcome to Unlearning Labels. Today, we are bringing you an interesting topic, which apparently is being talked about in real life. Um, (laughs) Mira and Peter were at an event this morning and it came up. And I just want to begin with a disclaimer to be clear, even though the topic actually is masculinity redefined, uh, these are traits that can show up in men as well as women who are leaders. So what did you hear this morning? Tell me about it. Uh, just that uh, people are actually aware of it, which is good. And there was both male and females at this event, right? Uh-huh. And it was a tech startup community type thing yeah, called Silicon Alley. We can give them a name check because it was actually really good. And we just got talking about various topics, you know, people were asking us what we did and vice versa. And uh, I, I can't remember how we got onto the topic, but we were talking about, you know, the kind of behaviors that leaders can display. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, and quite often in startups, it is quite male heavy, let's be honest. In, yes, on the is. tech side, it's usually, you know, quite white male, that kind of thing. And I was at chatting least in Europe, yeah, yeah, at least. <laughs> no, we were just talking about you know the the good and bad of uh, behaviour in terms of leadership, and sometimes uh, male uh, toxicity can you know seep into certain behaviours. So, for example, you know you're in a meeting, and I had this <laughs> actually from a, a a female senior leader that will remain nameless, but I will say that she told me to man up. <laughs> And this is a classic, actually, so it's a good segue into what we're talking about because it was, you know, a female counterpart, one of my colleagues who's more senior than me, saying, Peter, you're too emotional, just man up. Wow. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, okay, that's, um, what do we do with that kind of feedback, you know? Yeah, so so what, what I think has happened is because we had this, uh, you know, the... The patriarchal, is, is, am I pronouncing it right? Um, uh, le- leadership style uh, over the hundreds and hundreds of years. And, uh, and so I, I think, and, and with that comes, because there were mainly men, at least in the society that we know, uh, they, uh, you know, there have been these, traits, masculine traits, certain masculine traits that were connected with leadership. And so, you know, when we talk about leadership a lot these days, not these days, but, you know, now we're becoming more aware of it and and we're becoming, we are understanding that it doesn't have to be that way in order to be a good leader, in order to be a leader, not good leader, to be a leader. And, and so, um, yeah, that's a different show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we've we've noticed uh, we've noticed that actually lots of these traits, 
masculine traits are over there. You know, if you want to be a leader, you need to be like this, you need to be like this, you need to be like this. And and so it's, it's, and I think this is why, you know, one of the reasons why we are talking about in this context right here, right now, but um, it's, it's interesting to me. And I kind of wanted to uh, go with the, uh, because I think what, what it said over there is that masculinity is a thing you know, you're a man, you're a masculine, or you have to be masculine, otherwise you're not a man. And it actually has nothing to do with reality. Uh, it's it's social construct. Those are some ideas that some powerful po- people have put over there, but it doesn't mean it's true. And the same is for leadership. Um, you know, there are some ideas about leadership over there, but they're not true. They, it's It's... And and so I think in order to be better leaders, in order to be better humans, and in order to be better for themselves, because ultimately, it's not that we are just hurting people around ourselves behaving in that way, but we are hurting ourselves and, and trying to live up to an idea of society that, you, you know, in order to you know, I need to be masculine, I need to have certain traits that are true for my society or for my group, uh, and I don't feel like that. Uh, it means that I'm not okay, and and that's just absolutely not true. It's it's utter um, nonsense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was about to say, you know, the word that you shouldn't be saying uh, <laughs> online. Bullshit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so there we go. Uh, there Thank we you. go. Thanks. And so in uh, true masculine style. <laughs> yeah, in true masculine style. Yeah. And so um, it it is interesting uh, uh, that you know it's it's a social construct. It's an idea. It's not the thing, and it's not something that you should or shouldn't be. So to be clear, I mean, like, are you saying, Mira, that if you display emotions or Peter, you're, if you're expressing affection or compassion for your team, this is not um, an accept- acceptable leadership or masculine trait. Is, is that what you're both saying or that, that you, what you've, you've heard or have observed is the norm? Well, I've, like I say, I've experienced it throughout my career because I'm a man mm. and, you know, I've heard mm-hmm. it from my colleagues my my own team members other male counterparts and then like i say sometimes female leaders because they maybe they're aware maybe they're not um you know i couldn't say in the moment but unbeknown to them it looked to me like they were just copying the behavior of their male counterparts and that's what made sense to them to get higher up the food you know the ladder and get promoted and stuff like that but i can honestly say that that really it really confused me and it made me feel like whoa hold on a minute i am a man i don't need to man up i think i'm doing a good job and this this isn't really useful feedback as an example right uh and actually i took that harder than i did from my male counterparts funny enough who for example you know back in the day i was in the sales team and they were like take one for the team be a man you know this kind of again toxic behavior but again, if you think about the way that we've all been brought up, it's it's always been in there. It's systemic of, you know, society. Uh, so, for example, what, what made us talk about this topic as well, just so for people watching and hearing, 
we read a book by an author called J.J. Bowler. And this mm-hmm. was about a month ago. We were at a book festival. And just by luck, the author was actually on a panel. And the panel was actually talking about masculinity. What is this, you know? And So we were lucky enough to get in there, watch the panel. And it really, really was uh, very insightful for me. And it, and it was really good to hear because I was kind of like, you know, sitting there going, finally, another male saying this and it's not that I hadn't heard other males say that you know I've said this out loud we we talk about this with our clients and stuff like that but there's so many topics within society within the place of work within leadership where it's always at play this male patriarchy so it's quite hard to explain I mean I'm no expert but that the patriarchy bit is uh, as Mira pointed to it's society kind of the norms you know the social norms that have always been there and people just don't question it because they're uncomfortable and there's power structures that let's be honest they do exist in the world of work especially in corporate america and and, and europe and you know global companies where there's a power structure where the males get a lot of you know good stuff for example um one thing <laughs> i don't want to veer off but pay is usually hot topic you know where i quite often coach female ceos for say the eu and um we talk about pay scales and stuff like that and it's way off you know if you're a female in certain circles depending on industry it can be a massive gap between you know what you get paid for doing exactly the same work if not better work but you're actually getting maybe even 20 percent less which is kind of shocking right what is the name of the book i do want to put that in the comments is it man in the mirror uh mask off mask off okay. yeah mask off so Sorry, mask off and then masculinity redefined. Yeah, that's a subtitle by JJ Bowler. Oh, okay. So you know, in America, it's it's actually more skewed than that. It's what is it? Um, it depends, right? So um, Mira would probably get eighty cents on the dollar. Um, I would probably get closer to fifty-eight cents on the dollar, and then there's you know in between that, um, you know other. Uh, groups of women would get a variation somewhere between the 58 and the 83 cents. And, and, and it has nothing to do with actual um, skill set. And in some cases, I think the phrase should be woman up, right? Because um, women, because of their compassion, tend to be a little bit stronger. Um, but women that are more leaning into their masculine, you know, their masculine energy will will be crushed just like a man, you know? And and I, w- I can just speak from my own perspective. So like early in my career, I, when I was uh, working in law firms and, you know, on Capitol Hill, there's a lot of pressure to be like a leader, you know? like male leaders and that um, taking on that, that toxic masculine energy really crushed my soul, you know, and it, it, it's, it's very stressful. So um, I know on this uh, podcast on learning labels, we talk a lot about self-awareness and, you know, the importance of self-care as a leader. And so just in the interest of, of your well-being, uh, this is another reason to redefine. And I think like 
as we go along, let's kind of pull out like what those top three um, attributes would be that could make the load a little bit lighter um, in redefining redefining what is masculinity. Hmm. Well, I feel from my side being a male, right? So I'll just share a bit from my experience that being a male is, you know, from where I'm sitting, it can be challenging, you know, because society expects a certain thing from me, you know, society and the people around you. And it took me years working on myself and being a coach and all of that to realize that as JJ Bowler's quoting in this book and he said on the panel i really resonate with this that masculinity is basically made up it's a narrative it's something that we are told you know we grow up and it could be our parents it could be someone in school it could be society in general that tell you you have to act or be a certain way but more often especially in the last decade i've noticed that masculinity is whatever i want it to be being a male mm -hmm. <laughs> and where people are free to be like that and again it's not easy because i don't always feel free 24 7 you know it depends it's situational you know i feel very free right now i felt very free this morning <laughs> for example <laughs> but then there could be a group mentality where i'm just with load of males and innocently or not they will act up in a certain way and then i'll get really uncomfortable because they'll want to be acting in a certain way that again, it's that male toxicity. It's being really hyper masculine. Oh, I'm a male and all of that. Mm. And I, it just doesn't make sense to me now. And I find it quite funny. So, one example that Mira knows about, we talked about before recording, was that, um, for example, um, Mira's niece painted my fingernails, you know, as one example. And I'm totally <laughs> fine with that. You know, I don't mind having nail varnish on. Okay, I'm a musician as well so maybe that's quite normal for for people to do that but actually the more i've noticed you know on the nail varnish topic quite often i see lots of males with a few fingers painted but some people are really reactive to that you know and i can think of certain people that if i was in that group they'd be like are you gay you know they'd say like are you a real man why have you got your fingers painted it's stuff like that and i'd be like whoa 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 it's just a fingernail what's the big deal and if i want to have a fingernail that's painted a certain color you know what's the problem with that and actually wasn't it jj bowler that said he come up with this really good question so it was like a non-violent way of communicating and saying what do you mean by that but not doing it in an aggressive male way. It's kind of like, well, if someone says, oh, you're not being a man, the, yeah. it's a really good response to come back and say, well, what do you actually mean by that? I'm just curious and, and I'm in a playful mm. mood. And, mm. you know, quite often that can disarm someone and go, hmm, maybe that wasn't the best thing to say. Yeah, it makes them think <laughs> what, what the real, what, what actually is a real man. It, so it's, it's interesting to me uh, to see that... Uh, masculinity and i think where it gets toxic it's connected with power with anger with being strong emotionally i mean being strong emotionally like bottling or up like your emotions like emotionless yeah yeah which is in it's it's impossible it's inhumane mm. so you you kind of you're denying yourself to feel certain things and then you know we do and because of mm. it and that's why we say you know let's re redefine it because of it we have really really high percentage of um 
male population committing suicides mm. or trying to commit suicides. Yeah, because they've got no outlet for emotions. I mean, I've spent most of my adult life really struggling with that, if I'm honest. And even now, sometimes I feel like I can't really cry. I do cry more often even than... Even when I... me and Mira pick on you? Yeah. <laughs> Quite often I cry when that happens. After, the, like... after this conversation, he's going to go and cry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it, but it's interesting that I am um, I'm okay getting tearful in front of other males. I would never be able to do that decades ago for sure. I would just be like, oh shit, I, I feel like I'm tearing up. And I I remember welling up in work and hiding in the toilet, for example, when I worked in the telco, you know, in early two thousands, because I was like, well, I'm a leader. I'm a man. I need, to, you know, and this wasn't anyone else being toxic towards me. It was me inside of my head saying, man up, I can't cry in front of my team or whatever it was. So I just hid in the toilet, for example, you know. So see, again, soul crushing, even for yeah. males, mm, you know, to, to avoid showing emotion. Mm. <clears throat> Did you also, so, sorry, go on. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, so like, that's one thing right there. Like, just normalizing that humans have emotion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is a way to redefine it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sorry. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, did you see, so it was Roger Federer, and Federer, for anyone, I mean, I'm not a massive tennis fan, but I know that Federer quite often cries. You know, he wins, Mm -hmm. he cries, he loses, he cries. It's cool, you know? He is what he is. He embraces himself, and he's just being, you know, which is great. But he kind of gets away with it, not to blame him, because he's a sportsman, you know? Well, Um, I mean, McEnroe got away with being a complete (laughs) jerk for ages, right? Because that was... Yeah, that's a really good example. Aggressive, shouty, um, violent, you know, throwing tennis rackets at umpires and whatever, you know? And, And yeah, I mean, as a kid, it's a good example, actually. Well done, because watching that as a kid, that looked to me like that's what you... You, it's okay to be like that. And going back to Federer, so um, who's the Spanish tennis player? The other one? Nadal. No. Yeah, thank you. So there's a really good picture, of you saw it in the media, where Nadal and everywhere. Federer... What? It was everywhere, yeah. yeah and, and they were holding hands uh, and consoling each other, and they were both having a bit of a, you know, cry. And it's great to see. But again, the, if they weren't sports people, I'd hazard a guess that that would be like, whoa, what are they doing? And then, or if this had been the 70s and the 80s when we were growing up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, the world is changing and, and yeah. it's pretty amazing. Uh, uh, and, and I'm really happy to, to see that. Aha, uh-huh, Elizabeth said emoting is not professional. Yeah. And, and it's not professional for men and for women. And, it, and it's re- really interesting because, I mean, that's something that we were talking about quite recently, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, somewhere. I don't know where we were talking about it. Yeah. Uh, is that you actually cannot, you cannot, a few minutes back, yeah, we (laughs) cannot make decisions without emotions. And so it's always happening, isn't it? And so if you're not aware of your emotions or you're bottling your emotions, they're going to come up in making your decisions. And, And so if you're aware, if you're allowed, you know, to feel them, your decision-making is going to be much better. So it's, it's interesting. Well, I can tell you being a male and being deeply emotional in my roles over the years. I mean, luckily for me, I'm quite strong-willed, although it really... is stubborn. Yeah, I am stubborn. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes I was too stubborn in roles and, you know, it got me into trouble, hence why I was the CEO of these companies. But quite often I would get bullied by quite often female, powerful female leaders who 
felt like they needed to crush me and say, hey, Peter, you're too emotional in the meetings. And, and that happened a lot. Uh, and like I say, it, it kind of knocked me a bit sideways when it came from a female, even though it doesn't matter gender aside, it's still wrong, whatever it comes from. But it got me curious. So in one of my last roles, it came up quite a lot. And what I noticed is, because I'd been working on myself and studying psychology and I'd already done certain coaching certifications, I was like, the more emotional I am, the more I embrace that, the more impact I have with my team. But paradoxically, the leadership team was saying the opposite and they didn't like it and the more emotional I got. And again, it wasn't like, just to give you an example, if I was bawling my eyes out in every meeting and shouting and being hyper-emotional, that's not good. That's toxic as well. What I'm talking about is very subtle things where I would share how I felt, the impact of certain decisions on my team and the impact on my peers, and we would discuss these things in meetings. But it didn't get the airtime, and quite often it was cut off completely because some of my counterparts, both male and female, felt deeply uncomfortable because we were talking about emotion. But, and I think that that might be the, the problem is because we don't understand emotions and uh, I, I think we ourselves as, as humans in society that we live in are not, we haven't learned how to process our emotions and how to, you know, who be comfortable with our emotions. So when somebody around us gets, feels emotion and shows it, you know, we get uncomfortable. And I think that that's one of the big things. But I kind of wanted to look into a little bit about masculinity as, as a social construct. And because it's a social construct, um, it's, um, it's different in different societies. And so uh, what's considered masculine in one society isn't considered masculine in, in, in the other society. And so, and I'm, not, and I'm not saying that all of it is toxic. It's just that it, it's really interesting how we consider some things as not appropriate and in other society it's considered appropriate. Yeah, so for example, when we lived in, you know, in the Middle East, quite often it was normal, depending on the country, where men would hold hands. And it got me curious because I, I wasn't used to that where I grew up because I grew up in a, for better or worse, not a very touchy-feely society, even in my own family. And again, if my family listened to this or they ever listened to it, I'm not blaming anyone. It was, It is what it is, you know. As you pointed to before, Cordelia, 70s and 80s was a different place. There was a lot less emotion from a lot of the father figures and male role models in my life for example and I don't blame these people but they grew up in a certain way as well they had an experience and they were told to act and be a certain way and then that obviously got in the way for you know for, for me or anyone else that was male in in that community to feel safe because it was constantly I have to live up to something that I didn't agree to <laughs> so is it like yeah. you've just said something and is it that we, when we feel unsafe, that we are going towards these behaviors that we perceive as more acceptable yeah. in certain I, constructs. And then I would agree with that because it feels like the conditioning, right? When when we 
when we're uncomfortable, we go to our default setting, which is the conditioning that we grew up with, right? Mm. So um, I've recently become aware, like in Japanese companies, right? They keep all the decision-making within the top leadership, and then they disseminate it without any input from, you know, the lower level managers, right? And that is considered strength, um, you know, in the West, right? It, it's very patriarchal, like you were saying before, where it just locks women out completely. So it, even, you know, if you're you're in a room full of managers and, you know, maybe a third of the managers are women, they're, they're not going to even ask, right? Mm. Um, what, or and unless that woman really puts her herself in the mix and then she'll be uh, bullied, just like Peter was, but different, you know, it's like, aren't you a cheeky, you know, mm. <laughs> but, but it's, it's really interesting. And is it because we really don't want to ask anybody? Or is it because we think that we should know everything? And this is where I think this toxicity comes in that men in this or in, in general, are under pressure to perform and masculinity that we are talking about, the toxic part of masculinity is, is pressure to perform, to deliver a performance and it is to behave in a certain way that, you know, is considered acceptable and then I'm okay. Well, I would say it's a pressure to live up to something that's made up that doesn't yeah. exist. <laughs> I mean, it, the, the power structures exist, that's for sure. But the, you know, the more conversations I have with with other males and females and anyone in between, you know, whatever gender you identify with, I'm like, you know, what? How do you see man masculinity? And it's always very different. And that's what warms my heart because it is in the eye of the beholder, you know. And for example, if I think back at this panel we were watching, there was um. One author that, you know, looks like a normal, stereotypical male in terms of dress code. And then the guy in the middle was wearing bright red, uh, red lipstick and quite flamboyant and openly, you know, out there, out and proud. And then there was a female who was, she was a strong female character, an activist, right? Mm. And it was interesting that they all had a different take on it, but because they weren't trying to sell it or align anyone else to fit a mold it completely works and that's the way i see it now that you know it is whatever it is for that person if they feel comfortable wearing certain clothes they want to be a certain you know act or you know exist in a certain way then that's totally fine and the tricky thing is though that even now society's not quite ready for that i mean we live in berlin right so we live in one of the most open cities in the world. Yeah. <laughs> and to be fair, you can pretty much get away with being whoever you want here mm -hmm. within reason. But there's many places around the world that that just would not be possible. And uh, But even here, like that's fine in clubs. and, and But, you know, even here, when you go to the office, you need to of course, you know, yeah. be a certain way or you need to leave the part of yourself somewhere else. And what do you think of dress code? I mean, was it um, Virgin Atlantic? I don't want to advertise their airline, but I found it really interesting that they uh, suddenly yeah. changed the cabin crew clothes and 
regardless of what gender you are, you can wear whatever you want out of that selection of clothes. Mm. And, what and what I thought, do you mean? They were wearing red the last time I saw. Yeah, yeah. so now I think they have red and black. And so, oh. you know, you could, there, there are... Um, but but it doesn't. Uh, I think as as much as I understood that the clothes, cl- the the uniforms that they have are not gender assigned. Mm-hmm. So you can, you know, you, so a man can wear a skirt. I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, and so it's okay. it's it's and then different colors. You know, and, mm-hmm. you know, a, a woman can be in black or a man can be in red or you know, it's uh, so I think that they allow this. Uh, freedom to to choose what you want to wear. What a subtle nuance, you know, Mm. when when we're talking about the dress code, right? I mean, uh, like, as far as an actual uniform for the company, are there any other companies that are allowing that? Um, There are out there. I don't want to name some of them because I don't know the full details. I mean, I've worked for companies where they've been pretty open. Uh, They didn't really say that it has to be gender specific, but... Actually, when I think about it, quite often as a leader in these companies, I was told to give feedback to my male counterparts for wearing, dare I say, more feminine clothes, if that makes sense. And it did happen from time to time. And and the way I dealt with it was that, honestly, I said, I don't mind. It doesn't affect me. I'm just curious what what's your reaction and why i just want to understand it because i can't just suddenly go up to a person and tell them not to wear a certain item of clothes unless i know there's a good reason you know is it is it um against the company dress code for example but quite often when i worked in these larger corporate structures the dress code was quite a big gray area you know and uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it's interesting, and I think it's also, I mean, we talk about masculinity, I think it's also with f- femininity, or, f- yeah, is, is that the word? Okay. Yeah, femininity. <laughs> uh, and, and I've just, and I've, I've, I've found myself uh, lately going for meetings and meeting clients, and I would be, you know, okay, today I've got a jumper and I'll be in, in trousers, and... Uh, before I would think about you know what shoes to wear. Now I'm going in sneakers because that's, that's really trend, comfortable. Though. No, but but this is very comfortable to me, you know. And and so I think it's it's something that it's changing. And so I don't need to look certain way in order to be myself. I don't have to do certain things in mm. order to buy, be myself. And I think in the same way as masculine um, masculine masculinity uh, in the same way femininity can be toxic if you know we need to be look certain way uh, 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 talk certain way uh, uh, in order to appear okay so basically we've been talking about dress code emotions um what again i guess taking turns and speaking and we've been demonstrating that quite well during this conversation we just talk all over each other today (laughs) and it was okay (laughs) yeah well i I know not to cross you two too often so (laughs) (laughs) yeah because we've got all this toxic masculinity between the two of us well you might give me Um, feedback that i'm too emotional during the show so (laughs) 
what, what are what would be the the things that that we particularly see in companies that is that comes from masculinity and it's quite toxic to both men and women like some um, ideas beliefs traits well i quite often see male leaders having to be shouty and all of this stuff and trying to be powerful and it's less and less which is great that really does warm my heart because it's less acceptable to get away with that and i'd like to hope that you know if if your boss suddenly starts shouting at you and really bullies you then you know eventually that that has to be course corrected and hr would step in and all of that but the challenge is that it is very industry specific and i know of industries where it's still the norm you know your boss is allowed to swear at you and threaten you and all of that and it's just accepted as part of the the factory floor even though it's not a factory you know <laughs> i've seen it he's going everywhere and <laughs> well one of the things that we we talked about was pulling like um pulling up a list so like uh i i have the list in front of me mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. for masculine like you said aggressive independent unemotional unemotional mm. independent aha uh -huh. that's interesting mm. yeah 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 unimpressionable that means they can't be impressed uh they can't be changed easily and active competitive easy to make decision <laughs> i have to laugh at that one <laughs> um not offended and speculative less attention for self-appearance uh, yeah that i mean and and by contrast, right? High attention for self-appearance, non-speculative, offended, dependent, difficult to make decisions, uncompetitive, passive, impressionable, subjective, emotional, dependent is here twice, and unaggressive. And I I would have to say, at least um, from the the places that I've been at, m uh, many of the women that I know, they actually have all of those masculine traits, mm -hmm. which we've all mm -hmm. said throughout this conversation yeah. are toxic. Well, you know what? It's, it's interesting you say that because most of our work, when we work with female leaders, especially you know CEOs, really senior ones, is to slow them down enough to see the impact of their own behavior. Because, you, you know, we could just say, hey, <laughs> you know you've been really masculine in the way you approach it but that really isn't going to work the best way to do is slow them down and say hey you know how do you act in a certain scenario it's asking them the right questions and then getting the answers back and saying okay well the impact of your answers are that if you behave in that way in a meeting it will be perceived as like this and actually so i'll give you one example where Quite often I've seen female leaders that have been supporting feel like they need to act exactly the same as the pack, which is usually predominantly male. And my feedback was that, and this is just my take on it as a coach, is that if you want to have real impact, then, you know, go the opposite of the way the shoal's swimming, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, you can be the same person in the room, so the shouting and aggression and all of that, and suddenly you're just the voice of reason. And you can have massive impact by the less is more approach, right? Mm. And the more leaders that step up that way, the better results, no surprise. And actually, they're the ones that people remember because there'll be a shout match and all of a sudden person X 
says one thing with impacts and everyone's just like wow okay because they're not really trying to be something that they're not they're not tr trying to copy toxic behavior they're really just listening to understand what's going on and they're trying to i'm not trying they're actually doing a good job of actually course correcting it you probably heard the term cordelia we, we say this often to clients that be the same person in the room so if there's loads of headless chickens and everyone's bouncing off the walls be the person that does the opposite and maybe just throw a question in to reset the room, you know? And that's that's kind of the opposite of that toxic behavior. And, and, it, and it's interesting, that list that, that you, you, you just read, oh my God, it's a really hard job. I mean, how much energy do we put into behaving or, or or holding that appearance performing. performing that i always need to be decisive i mean sometimes you're not sometimes you just don't know <laughs> you know it's just very human uh, uh, and how many mistakes because of it because you need to appear you're decisive so you make decision rushly hastily even if you didn't know what to do uh, i always need to you know, I, I, I'm not impressionable. I'm not, you know, all of, all this. So there's so much energy in, in, in it. And if we could be, and, and sometimes we are this, and, and, and I believe that for some, some people have more clarity in certain areas and some people have more clarity in other areas. So if, if we understood that masculinity for example has nothing to do with leadership yeah you know and and nothing to do with professional behavior yeah you know and if we understood that and we allowed we learned more about ourselves uh, it would be much easier to have a safe environment where everybody could contribute in much better decisions and it would be so 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 it's less pressure on that one person person yeah it won't be so so crushing so what i'm hearing is uh if we were to redefine masculinity it would be um a strong uh safe space for for people to feel um to feel at ease um deep listening um and um around decision making i, I guess that's also related to deep listening right so slowing mm. down enough to be um what, what is the word i'm looking for when you slow down and, and like if if we normalize you don't have to make a decision on the spot to make it seem like you're in charge but rather you deliberate that's mm -hmm. <laughs> you actually deliberate um mm -hmm. uh, instead of uh, flying off the handle and and making reckless decisions Mm. So, I mean, those would be the top three qualities. Those are the three top three qualities that I'm hearing coming up in our conversation. And the other thing that springs to mind, going back to this panel that we saw um, a couple of weeks back, was that, and I didn't see it this way, but it, I kind of resonate with it now, that masculinity, whether you're aware of it or not, it, it's seen as a performance, you know, and mm. it doesn't need to be. 
Mm. I mean, you can do that in a loving, playful way if you're being creative. That's go for it. That's amazing, right? But quite often it's, it's I mean, the, the reason why the book was called Mask Off because it's wearing a mask of the expectation of everyone else but yourself. Yeah. Uh, and you're not serving anyone by doing that. And the more that you serve yourself by going, okay, well, masculinity to me is XXX and I'm going to go and do this. Then companies, I mean, I, I don't have a silver bullet answer, but I'm guessing that, you know, if you look at the psychological safety and diversity, for example, allowing people to be and feel whatever they want to in work, but obviously still being professional and, you know, if someone plays up and behaves in a certain way, then totally fine as a leader to step in and give feedback and have someone's back and help them correct that behavior if it's not conducive for them growing in the company, if it's not, if it's deviating from what the company wants and all of that. But quite often that's not the problem. The issue is, is when leaders or anyone in the company, for example, because sometimes it's employees that cause the problem, even though they have a go at the leadership team, it's allowing, you know, if if you've got people in your team, it's allowing them to be whoever they are and listening to them and showing curiosity and really having the respect to understand who they are individually. Mm-hmm. And I think the more that we can teach employees and leaders and everyone to do <clears throat> that, then I think that's where you'll see amazing results. Because if people feel comfortable to just be themselves, there'll be less wearing of masks. It just won't make sense to go and play up to someone's toxic behavior because you won't feel it. I mean, you're always going to feel uncomfortable in the world of work. It's going to happen, right? One day you're comfortable, one day you're not. It's normal. It's totally natural. But you'll feel less uncomfortable in a team where everyone's embracing that just natural diversity of whoever they are you know and and that's yeah. a tricky thing because the world of work isn't quite ready for everyone just to be whoever they are let's be honest and that that's what we see and the more that we encourage that you know the better i would say that society will be the better that company culture will grow and I don't know. I don't know what it you two will, think. I about. think it will be less need for performance, and I think yeah. everybody wants to be seen. Yeah. If you're not seen being who you are, you you will try to be seen being who you're not. You know, right. and so it's but, but swapping out the the performance for being curious, right? The, mm. the yeah, that's the word that you. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. curiosity is is a great remedy. I think for so, that. Cordelia. I mean. Because what would you rather do, perform and be someone that you're not, or just be deeply curious and get to learn lots of new, rich information mm. and probably learn a lot about yourself along the journey as well? Because I know that for, I can only speak for me being a male <laughs> and talking about this, the more curious I was about other people and how they perceive themselves and just embracing that and not, and not judging. You know, I'm sure that, you know, like anyone, I'm only, I can be honest, you know, when I didn't see it, I'm sure I was uncomfortable around certain people being flamboyant and being whoever they were. But the more I just leaned into that, I was like, okay, they're just being whoever they are. This is amazing. Whether I was uncomfortable or not, that's where the juice is for me. Because then I'm not trying to change that person's behavior. I'm not acting in a certain way that makes them feel uncomfortable in the moment. Sorry, uncomfortable. And I think that's what, the solution is if that makes sense or at least that's what i see i don't know but there is also another aspect of it's not just men teaching men to be masculine it's also women 
and 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 there is a big role of you know women being in in the companies in leadership roles that do not adapt to that mask do not start wearing that mask but also women there are different moving forward in leadership roles not thinking that they have to be different in order to and and I think it's also the expectations of everybody around us or he is too emotional he isn't a good leader or he is you know and I think we're all responsible for that change I mean it's just because you're uncomfortable around somebody who has emotions it doesn't mean that emotions are wrong for example as 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 one example of emotions because i think it's it's often the you know um or you know he isn't a good leader because he hasn't uh, made a decision instantly or because he or she didn't know something or you know the other thing i hear as well is that we need more um feminine energy in companies and i'm not saying we don't but here's my take on it and i don't know what you two think of this but feminine energy again it's made up and now because we're we're in a world where people are becoming a lot more self-aware about being whoever they are there's no fixed point of view where it lies you know and that's why i think it's tricky when i see people say no we just need more feminine i'm like no we just need to allow people to be whoever the hell they are whatever that may be and th- and that's moment to moment just to be clear because i don't see you know I'm guessing you two are the same, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've changed over the years. I've transformed whether I like her or not and my surroundings and, you know, for better or worse, things have changed and it's never been a fixed point. But in society, we're told to be, you know, here's a box and you neatly fit in it. But that's completely, complete nonsense to me. And it doesn't make sense because there is no mold. You know, it's not about breaking the mold. There was never a mold in the first place because we all made it up. And then it's some of it stuck, sadly. And that's where the patriarchy and the power structures lie because we're still drip feeding people as children in the education system that there's a set way of being and you have to fit that particular mold depending on what you want to do in society. I don't really know that it's still being so much fed in the education it's trying but there's so much a dissent you know and the younger generation that it's not really getting any um it's not sticking you know but but what i do see is this movement of compassionate leadership i mean there have been several books one of our mutual you know connections uh heather younger wrote that book was it caring leadership a couple of years back and so there is a movement towards that and i think in that book she actually uh, interviewed a fair amount of male leaders so um the the movement towards being more compassionate and allowing the consideration of human emotion in decision making is making headway however back to what we've been talking about this whole conversation, what we see with our clients, right? The female leaders we work with is they're so conditioned like in this box that they have to show up a certain way and perform a certain way that, you know, we almost have to coach them to be human again. It's like, oh no, 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 you don't have to do that. You can just be who you are. 
And and um, what I'm also seeing is like um, some of the policies are okay. We want you to be more of a caring leader. We want to see more of more expressive and be more of who you are. But if people are from a certain generation, they're just not going to let it go because that conditioning is really, really deep, you know? Um, so I, I think what, what needs to happen is that we have to normalize uh, that it's okay to just be human, you know? And it, it's okay that we all have emotions and it's okay to take 24 to 48 hours to make decisions and deliberate and consider what everybody thinks on the team sometimes, you know, because decision-making fatigue is a thing mm -hmm. and people are dropping dead from it or just, mm. um, you know, or I don't know what you're seeing. I, I haven't had any clients die on me yet, but. <laughs> uh, hope not yet. <laughs> well, well, you know what? Oh, I, mean, I don't mean that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, but, but it does add to lots of stress. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, remember, we or I spoke to a CEO of an insurance company in the UK when we were doing some research. And uh, he said something really interesting, which I've heard other very senior people say that, you know, I'm getting paid the big bucks and there's a lot of pressure and all of that stuff. But I'm not complaining because I just know that there's certain huge cons decisions that I'll make, maybe two, three or four maximum a year where they're huge. And there's a lot of pressure and I'm not going to just run into that blindly. You know, I need to check in with people, get advice, think about it, reflect on it. And this one particular person said, actually, when I didn't do that and I had a sense of urgency or felt the pressure of the company or, you know, and he said, actually, it was a lot, usually just my own worst enemy of me pressurizing myself, you know, man up, why can't I make a decision or whatever it was, right? But it was interesting that, he said, the more that I just, you know, reflected and got some advice and pushed back, he said, I still felt deeply uncomfortable because I had people above me saying, hey, I want that decision yesterday. What the hell are you playing at? And he was like, well, you're going to have to wait because I haven't made my decision yet. So back off. And, and I thought that was leadership. really interesting. And, and that yeah. is leadership. That's re yeah, that's leadership right there. And obviously there are times when sitting on your hands and not making a decision, that's obviously not going to be serving people or the company. Well, But we're not pointing to that. It's where with confidence, it's a place of clarity. You're deciding because there's certain options you want to think about or reflect on because the decision has implications both towards your employees, financially, to the board, you know, all of these things. So quite often in the world of work right now, because we're in a hyper-fast society, everyone wants things done yesterday. Mm. And it's good to know that there are still leaders out there that get that, you know, very senior people who are like, no, I'm going to take a stand. And it's a, this has been a torchbearer and a good example and role model for the rest of your team the rest of the leadership team, the rest of the company to show that if you're willing to be transparent as well, because you can't share everything, right? But when certain key decisions are made, it's to go back and have town halls and share that and say, hey, we had a tough time. I was at a crossroads and this happened. And the, the more that leaders step up and do that mm -hmm. in a professional way and share what they can, when they can, because I know you can't be transparent with everything. It just sets the bar much higher, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'd guess that 
better decisions are made, you know. And there will be times when you just know that that's the right decision and you don't have to think about it or get advice or reflect on it. And you just know and you do that. That's okay too. Mm. No, it's it's it's. I think the whole concept is really interesting. It's just to see, you know, and I think the whole point of the conversation is to see of how much this uh, 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 made up masculinity of I, I need to be this in order to be okay or to be accepted or to be part of the group is coming into and in and, and affecting our lives regardless of whether we men or women or however we declare ourselves or so it's it's uh, it's it's a really interesting one and understanding it as a construct it has nothing to do with your sex no you know absolutely nothing yes men have bigger muscles than women but not all men, not all men. i've seen women that are naturally very masculine and and so see where the where the concept of masculinity comes it from the muscle but yeah. it's it's nothing to do with and you can see the danger when people innocently say stuff and, you know there's books about it where it's what? like we just need female energy because that's the answer it's not it's just that we need as you pointed to cordelia it's been more compassionate more considerate and more, more curious, curious about each other's humanity and just to be whoever you are but again that doesn't mean that you don't care about you know, the, the, the company and the rules and the KPIs and all of the things that are in yeah. place, far from it. It just means that you're allowed to feel safe, you're included, you're listened to, you feel part of something bigger than yourself. And the only way you can do that is if you're allowed to be whoever the hell you are, right? Yeah. Mm. And, you, and it begins with self-awareness. So yeah. this has really been a, a powerful discussion and Thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad we we did talk about this. I, I like your point about transparency, uh, Peter. But I think that's a different show too, because <laughs> <laughs> people do struggle with that. But um, I think that was a great summary between the two of you because it was so funny. I was about to say, so P uh, Peter, Mira, who wants to close us out? And you both did a, a just a, a beautiful, masterful job as always. Oh, thank so, you. Very, very kind. <laughs> It's uh, very true. <laughs> I, I think we have a very Sometimes. interesting. I think we have a very interesting uh, three of us. Um, interesting. I, I wouldn't say it, an energy, but interesting dynamics in between us. Mm -hmm. And and I think it's because we actually have created very quickly, very easily, a safe space to talk about stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's. And we have balanced energy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's just an ebb and flow of naturally where it goes, right? Without us, I mean, we still feel uncomfortable sometimes, but that's okay. And it's just that ebb and flow of where it goes and not getting in the way of it. And I'd love to see more companies allowing that energy just to flow wherever it does and for them to just explore, you know, how does that look like? If people are really free to be whoever they are, what are the implications of that? Because honestly, I can't see anything negative. Because we're not saying just do whatever you want. That's not what we're saying here. Right. We're just and, saying. And you know, yeah. <laughs> that's 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 what I say on the free to be show. I was like, being free is to be clear. It's it's not being recklessly just doing whatever you want. It's it's being so purely aligned in the. If we're talking about a, about a company, 
everyone is so purely aligned with the mission and the vision that everyone feels safe and free to be themselves and and go towards the hmm. the goals and values and objectives. So, you know what? Maybe that's a good idea to do one on the purpose, the mission, the value, and, and maybe talk about culture because I see that one as a tricky topic as well. We we were funny enough we were discussing that this morning that company culture is like grabbing clouds. You know, if you ask 10 different employees, <laughs> they'll all have a different take on what that culture is versus what the CEO said top down. Mm. But yeah, that's for another day. So yeah. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Well, thank you. And for thank our you. viewers and listeners. That, yeah, thanks um, for watching and listening. Watch and listen on the replay. We will be looking back at your comments. So thank you. And until next month, bye for bye. now. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode. Learning Labels is about talking the walk of I see you, I hear you, and I value you. If you found these conversations insightful and useful, please share them with others and sign up for our newsletter at unlearninglabels.com.